this is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona. This is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. That's why this audience is going to have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, uh, as we told you, uh, they're they're throwing out the debt ceiling. What did I tell you a couple of months ago that we're going to cause the drop in tax revenue? And remember the two hundred fifty billion dollar deficit, a quarter of a trillion dollar deficit in one month. That would be the month of November. There were the tax revenues. You could tell were not coming in as as quickly. In fact, they said that for November, and the debt ceiling was going to hit us in January, February. But then they kept talking, no, 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 no. It's only going to be in uh, the spring or the fall or the summer and you know, we'll talk about that time. I said, when they come in and start talking about extraordinary measures, they put a gun to your head. Well, guess what? Surprise. Because here's what's going on. You have the FDA and the CDC are now admitting, well, hey, upon further review, uh, this vaccine, these all these reports and studies, everything, that's because you've got a Republican House that you people fought hard to get. I don't care if it's got 10 seats or 50 seats. We're in charge, and you're seeing all the rats. So they're doing that, and now they know that's going to explode on them. They've got a massive problem where they've taken the nation's highest secrets for seven years, and they've locked them into buildings or put them into buildings with, uh, that the Chinese Communist Party have financed. I'm going to have Matt Kittle on, the new uh, national political editor over at Star News Network, Michael Patrick Leahy's great, incredible site. Also... Uh, the House today is moving the 14,000 hours we've been fighting for for years of the footage. Of course, NBC saying that's just going to show all their criminality. So let's go ahead and see it. Well, I got Julie Kelly on here with updates on all of it. And I think Ju- the great Julie Kelly from American Greatness may disagree with that. We got a grassroots firefight out in uh, South Dakota. We got all the issues in Brazil, including these gulags they've set up. The first thing they do, the folks, they vax them. Hmm. Maybe they should listen to the CDC now. But I got to start. We just left the Venezuela-Colombian border with uh, Burkwam and, and, and Oscar. I got to go see you come around. Because here, here's the point I'm making. I caught the Lao Beijing. Lao Beijing is Chinese for old hundred names. There's basically a hundred last names, last sur- surnames in, in China. Old hundred names are Lao Beijing is always the little guy. He was the guy that Mao, they, they were the traditional families that Mao went into the villages in the Cultural Revolution and tried to destroy. But it, it, there's Lao Beijing. My, my parents were Lao Beijing. They're just a little guy. But they're the people that underpin civic society. They, 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 they coach the little leagues and build the churches. And, and, and they're the cops and the nurses and the teachers and the insurance salesmen. It's everybody that makes civic life go here in the United States. It's what underpins our capital markets. Everybody says, why the capital markets are, are so, uh, you know, so robust in the United States? That's why there's always a flight to quality into the U.S. It's not the SEC. It's not that we have better regulations. It's we have liquidity. Why do we have liquidity? Because we have a society and a culture that underpins all that, and they never get rewarded for it, ever, 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 ever. But you have Lao Beijing in every country, and this is what that journey is showing as you go up. They're destroying the Lao Beijing in Colombia and all the frontline nations and in Mexico. The person that plays by the rules, the person that sits there in the village and just tills the field or does whatever they do, the little entrepreneurs with the shops, the people that just sit there and want to be left alone, 
and raise their families and love their children, right? And practice their own religion. They're the ones in every nation that are destroyed. And here you see, and Steve Camerata wrote an amazing piece the other day in, in the New York Post, something we talk about all the time, Cortez and I, but to see it in print was so powerful that, that Biden in, in, this, in this elite, effete, uh, uniparty in Washington, D.C., and, and their paymasters on Wall Street and the global corporations, that all this open borders, the people it's destroying most are the African-American and Hispanic community, the little guys. Camarada, walk me through why open borders is destroying those communities more than ever. The, the, the little guy is being crushed by the powerful forces of economics that is taking the benefit from this. Steve Camarada. Right. Well, part of it is just basic economics. If you increase the supply of something, in this case, labor, you tend to lower its price. And the price of labor primarily is wages or earnings and benefits. And so by bringing in so many foreign workers over the last few decades, uh, one of the consequences of that is that it's made life more difficult, particularly for what we'll uh, broadly call the working class, non-college educated, uh, in two important respects. Real wages, that is adjusted for inflation, uh, if we look at men, uh, have either stagnated, so they haven't gotten any better in 40 years, or they've actually declined for some subcategory of workers. Um, these are the people, you know, who are nannies, maids, busboys. These are the folks who drive trucks for a living. They do installation and maintenance, groundskeeping, that sort of thing. Um, and so those types of workers have generally not done very well, really in the last 40 years. And their wages have gone up during this big bout of inflation we've had since 2020, but their wages have not kept pace with inflation. They're actually worse off now than they were in 2020. The other thing that's happened to this population, extremely troubling, and it's not unrelated, but there are lots of factors, is they don't work like they used to. So exclude old people, exclude children, and just look at, say, 18 to 64 or 16 to 64, and there are millions of people out of the labor market. They do not, and this is important, they do not show up as unemployed because to be unemployed, you have to say that you've looked for a job in the last four weeks. And these individuals are the not looking. They're working age, and you can even zero in on 25 to 64, what is sometimes referred to as prime working age. And if you put it on a graph, really from 1970 to the present, or even a little earlier, it looks like a ski slope. In other words, there are just more and more working age, including, including prime working age people, not working and not looking. And they're not in school, and fewer and fewer people have children. That's not what's happening. It's that there's just a lot of people on the economic sidelines. There is clear evidence that immigration does crowd some of those people out. But I would tell you one other thing, Steve. One of the other things that it does is these social problems that are very significant and by no means confined to the non-college educated. But uh, when we talk about the issues of everything from obesity and um, the opioid crisis and the rise in suicides, it's heavily, but again, not by any means exclusively, concentrated in the working class. So the social problems there, it's, it's one of the reasons why they're not in the labor force. Now, the fact that they're not in the labor force is causing social problems, so it's a complex interaction. But what immigration does by bringing in all these foreign workers is it lets us ignore this social problem. Now, there's lots of reasons, again, for it, and you would be wrong to say that competition with immigrants is the only problem these folks face. That's not true. 
but it does let us ignore all of these pathologies that have developed among the working class. As my mom would say, a job uh, tends to clarify and clean out a lot of, a lot of not just social problems, a lot of problems with people's individual, how they're hanging. But I, I got I to gotta push back because Posner, you know, we've got that clip of Posner and these economists and, and the guys, you know, uh, all the guys that are floating around uh, Biden. They're telling me, I see on MSNBC and CNN every day, CNBC, where the problem with inflation is the wages of the working class. They're, that's the big problem is their wages. These guys are too greedy. They want to be paid too much. They're, that's the problem. The number one problem with inflation is working class wages. And the solution is mass immigration. Now, yeah, let, let's just do some basic numbers real it's, quick. It's insane, but I want you to take that head on because all these great economists are sitting there going, Bannon, you guys are wrong. The problem with inflation is working class wages. They're getting out of control, and we need to basically have mass migration to solve it, sir. You know, it's not like we have to speculate on this. And you notice they're not citing any numbers. If we look at the actual data, we know what people earn, and we know what share, roughly speaking, they are of GDP, so we can make some reasonable estimates of their impact on inflation. So let me give you an example. If you take all the workers without a college degree, they get about 40% of labor incomes in the United States. And since the economy is not just labor, but in a simplified model, it's also capital, you can even do some more calculations. And workers without a college degree are only about 25% of GDP. So even if their wages were to decline, say, 10%, which would be a huge decline for them, you can only impact consumer prices, roughly speaking, by about 2.5%. In other words, uh, 10% of 25. So, and, and what we know is their wages haven't even gone up as much as inflation. They just don't account uh, for enough of the economy, or put it in a way, they make too little to matter that much. Even though they make up the majority of workers, they receive only a modest share of GDP. And so that just can't be happening. That It's not mathematically possible. Now, you might be able to bring in enough immigrants if you brought in tens of millions and then crush their wages. Well, maybe you could have it. Nobody that I know of thinks that's good public policy. Um, so it's not practical to talk about reducing the wages of the working class to lower inflation. And of course, it's taking attention away from the other factors or the more important factors, whether it's overspending, the Fed keeping interest rates too low for too long, and there is pent-up demand from COVID and supply chain disruptions internationally. These factors are almost certainly much more important than in creating inflation than our working class wages. I'll just say it this way. If you argue that we need to bring working class wages down, you have to at least say, even though their wages have stagnated or declined, and actually they're doing worse. So they don't make much to begin with. They have not received a raise in decades, and their wages are not keeping pace with inflation, but we'd still like them to be even poorer. It's, it's a very regressive policy and mathematically unsound, as I've said. By the way, in 40 years, I think the increase for working class, average working class wage been 12 cents. I think that's the number. But I can tell you is 21. What I do know is 21 consecutive months of real wages dropping. Let's see if MSNBC and CNBC shows that number. Steve, how do they get the article in the post is great, but the work you do every day at CIS, what's your social media? How do they people get to your analysis 
on a daily basis. Well, we have, yeah, we you can follow us on Twitter uh, at, at Center for Immigration Studies. Mark Krikorian, our executive director, um, also has a lot of uh, a lot of followers. But everything we do, including everything I publish, and it's mostly just data driven, is uh, at CIS, like Center for Immigration Studies org, and it's all free. You can just download it. Steve, you got you got Krikorian, you got yourself, Camarada, you got Benzman, CIS. I'm telling you, you guys have done such a tremendous uh, service to your nation. It's just incredible. And I, I thank you guys. Always honored to have you folks on here. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks, brother. I want to go to Matt Kittle now. Matt, you've got an amazing piece. I told Leahy as soon as I saw it, I had to have you on. Walk me through. You're the new national political editor, I think, over at Star News Network, which is Leahy's. You guys do an insane job in all the great battleground states. Walk me through the the Penn, the Penn Biden Center, sir, in the Chinese Communist Party. Well, thank you so much for having me here. And I appreciate it because this, as you know, and you've been reporting on it for several days now, is just an absolute mess. And it's a story of ballsy people, you know. We we have we have the the, the people around Biden. We have uh, the University of Pennsylvania. We have this think tank, um, you know, thinking about Joe Biden. And a think tank is sometimes a stretch, and that's really what it is. Their main mission, they say, is they were founded on the principle that a democratic, open, secure, tolerant and interconnected world benefits all America. But we, what we've found in our investigation is that the benefits have really gone to Joe Biden and his family and his friends and his allies and Pennsylvania University to the tune of some $60 million plus, and we don't have a full accounting of that yet. But what we can tell you, Steve, is that the National Legal and Policy Center has been trying to get not only information, but the swamp to do something about this for a long time. And this goes back to the Department of Education secretary at the time in 2020, Betsy DeVos, where the uh, NCLP, excuse me, the NLPC, um, you know, filed a, a complaint, basically, which is under um, Section 117 of the Higher Education Act. Basically, the act says all gifts and contracts exceeding $250,000 must disclose foreign ownership and control. They simply were not doing that, and we still don't have an investigation. Nothing happened, and nothing has happened nearly three years later. Well, it's going to happen because the day the House, they announced, I think it's uh, Comer or maybe the weaponization uh, or maybe oversight, Intel, they're going to get into this, uh, into this, uh, this classified documents, and this is going to be a key part of it. Why this is, seems extraordinary? How could they have stonewalled for so long? the The amount of money they took, and they clearly don't want to disclose it because now they've been under pressure for a couple of years, and also the media has has raised questions. I know Natalie Winters at War Room, and when she was at National Pulse, was all over this. Why did they seem to be hesitant to basically comport with law, conform with law, and actually disclose? Uh, these donors, you think they got far violations here? I mean, is, is are there going to be deeper issues when they? Oh, okay, so let me just say something about the hunted becoming the hunters. All of this cash, I'm the guy that did with Matthew Tiermann and Peter Schweitzer, um, Clinton cash. One, the reason I came in, they called me in to be the CEO of the campaign with 100 days ago was quite simple. 
uh, it wasn't my strategic brilliance. It was a simple fact that I had very much focus at Breitbart on taking down the corrupt Clinton machine, the global initiative, all of it, right? And we could tell how corrupt it was and the interconnectivity with the World Economic Forum, everything. This is the Clintons were the worst. Hillary was the brains of the operation. Bill was just the, the, the doofus out front. It's kind of like Joe Biden. Joe Biden's the doofus, right? And, and Hunter's drinking or snorting what the client's drinking, but they got serious, heavy, bad people around them. How, why have they tried to stonewall? This is not going to be stonewall, folks. This is why taking the House was so important. And today they announced an independent investigation coming out of the House on this entire classified document, which the beating heart of it is going to get to be, hey, why were the Chinese Communist Party money all over the University of Pennsylvania? Why have they stonewalled this, Matt Kittle? It's interesting you say that, too, because we talk about the University of Pennsylvania. But the folks I talk to who have been looking at this for a long time in higher education will tell you this is all over the country in higher education. You know, what's interesting to me is that there was under the Biden administration, under uh, Merrick Garland, there was there was a kind of uh, a task force that was set up to look at how China and uh, uh, the Chinese government and Chinese officials were infiltrating U.S. Um, institutions of higher education. Um, 100, what was it? 160 uh, professors from Penn wrote a letter to the, uh, the DOJ saying, you can't do this because this is racist. You can't, you can't possibly do this. This is, this is just a matter of bigotry instead of what it really is, is taking a look at national security and national security interests. It's why we have this battle over TikTok. Oh, 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 hang, hang on, hang on. The number one, I'm the co-founder of the new federal state of China. The number one people that would tell you you have to do this is the Chinese people in the mainland, the ones that come here. They're the ones yeah. that are slaves to this. This is a transnational criminal organization. What they put up on racism is a lie. It's the Chinese people. It's Lao Beijing whose back we have. They're the ones that want that disclosed. They're the ones that kids can't come over here, right? What you're doing on these professors and all this, it's not racist. And here's the bottom line. We're going to get to the bottom of every penny that's coming from the Chinese Communist Party and who's on the payroll. University of Pennsylvania not only should be ashamed, it's time now to start bringing criminal charges against these people that have stonewalled this forever. Matt, how did they get to you over at, uh, at Star News Network? I understand you're, you're bringing over the Wisconsin operation. I told Leahy it's a fantastic uh, uh, addition to the great uh, news network he has right now. How do people get to you on social media and how they get to you over the Star News Network? Well, thank you so much. The, of course, you can always go to the uh, starnewsnetwork.com. Good reporters doing great work there every day. We'll have more on this particular story. You can find us, too, in Wisconsin at EmpowerWI. Kittle, uh, great, uh, great to have you on board. Uh, totally, he was a fantastic acquisition. Look forward to having you back on. I want to push that. If, Thank you, uh, the queen of the trolls, queen, uh, if, if the queen of the trolls, uh, uh, Ms. Chung and uh, Captain Bannon can push this story out, it would be greatly appreciated. Uh, kind of a, a augmentation of everything that uh, that the. Um, that the uh, the great Natalie Winters has been doing. Okay, I want to go to. Can we play the cold open for Julie Kelly? I want to get Julie Kelly in in this half hour. I want to. Want to let's go and play the the cold open. I'll go right to Julie. Key concession made in the backroom deal 
McCarthy had to exchange for Gates's present vote. I don't know, it feels like releasing the surveillance footage isn't going to be the ooh, exoneration of Republicans they might think it's going to be. If the surveillance footage that we've seen thus far, and we've seen a lot of it, is any indication, it seems like this strategy might very well backfire. What else do they think they're going to find in that surveillance footage? Could there be more footage of Josh Hawley running out of the Capitol to escape the insurrectionists he helped incite? Okay. Um, we bring the one in. Julie, you got so much stuff I want to get into, but I got to start with this. Woohoo! What do they think they're going to find? Julie Kelly. Uh, she's mocking you to your face, essentially. So, Julie, you've worked forever to get this footage uh, released. What are we going to see, ma'am? I wish she would mock me to my face. I would love to go on Nicole Wallace's show and explain exactly what I suspect they will find when they release these thousands of hours of surveillance video, which she just showed is a perfect example of how Capitol Police and the Department of Justice, who have kept this massive trove of security footage paid for by U.S. taxpayers under wraps, under strict protect, protective orders. It's even very difficult, Steve, for defendants and their defense attorneys to see any of the clips used against them. But by the same token, the Capitol Police give the January 6th committee that clip, surveillance video clip of Josh Hawley running so they can try to embarrass him and do exactly what Nicole Wallace just did. Well, look, if the security vid video is okay for the House Impeachment Committee, it's okay for the January 6th committee, it's okay for HBO producers to look at to put in their documentary, then it should be okay for the American people to see exactly what happened inside and outside that Capitol starting in the wee hours of January 6th. Josh Hawley should know. Josh uh, Hawley, Senator Hawley, you're a hero for this. So don't, don't, don't ever let, woo, you know, uh, Nicole Wallace, um, you know, ever, ever get in your way. It's she's complete nonsense. Uh, the show's a bozo show. It's the stupid hour for stupid people. Um, let's go into it though. What are what are the things that 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 trouble people about people being killed, uh, brutality, uh, a police riot, all that? What what are the types of things that uh, for years you guys have kind of worked on, and we kind of know what's there, but they won't release it, ma'am. So I think what we will see is exactly what sort of assets, what sort of agent provocateurs were inside and outside the building far before the breach happened. You know, Steve, there's interesting testimony that came out of Richard Barnett's trial this week in Washington. Richard Barnett was the man who had his feet up on a desk in Nancy Pelosi's office. You had a top Capitol police officer, official, a commander who was there that day. She acknowledged to defense attorneys that, <clears throat> yes, there were highly organized, dangerous, orchestrated agitators who were on, on the fringes of the crowd, leading the crowd from the ellipse uh, from Trump's speech to the Capitol. As you know, most of the streets were shut off. So people were sort of funneled to the Capitol if they wanted to go there. This officer, for the first time that I know under oath, admitted that there were groups of organized, dangerous provocateurs and agitators inciting and luring this crowd to the Capitol. That's part of what we will see. We will also see, hopefully, the answer to Representative Clay Higgins' question that Christopher Ray refused to answer. And that is, were there FBI informants, undercover agents or assets inside the building disguised as Trump supporters before the breach even started? 
We're going to see, finally, Steve, find out who built the gallows, you know, with the orange noose that just happened to have the Capitol building right in the center of the noose that became such a major optic of that day. We have no idea who built those gallows. I've heard some rumors about who's responsible for it, but the security video will show who did it and why no one has been identified or charged with erecting a gallow on public property. Um, and what you will see the most and what Nicole Wallace will certainly be shocked at is the excessive force used by the D.C. Metro and Capitol Police Department that day. Um, untrained officers using non-lethal munitions that became lethal in at least three cases, flashbangs, pepper balls, sting balls with rubber bullets in them, copious amounts of mace and some other highly toxic gas that was used in the Lower West Tunnel Terrace where Roseanne Boylan died. I'll tell you, Steve, when I got the first clip of that, of watching police throwing flashbangs into the crowd far outside, I thought it was doctored. I was shocked. And this was May of 2021. Someone sent me a clip that had been on their phone. Um, the American people will be stunned to see what law enforcement did that day, attacking innocent Americans, causing the death of four of them. Untrained officers maliciously and viciously attacking American citizens to provoke them and really prompt a lot of the confrontations we saw that afternoon. Okay, uh, I need to hold you through the break. And I've got Matthew Tierman of Brazil. I got Jessica Palamo uh, talking about this grassroots firefight in, in South Dakota. We got a lot to get through, but I got I to gotta hold uh, um, Julie. Julie, real quickly, the group of the, the evidence in open court uh, about groups of organized, trained, dangerous provocateurs. Mm -hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong. Were they identified as either the Proud Boys or the Oath Keepers in open court? Did the prosecution identify no. them as either one of those? No, not at all. Isn't that and odd? Isn't that odd? Isn't that, that odd? Very odd. Mm -hmm. Isn't very that odd, odd ma'am? Do you find that odd? Does that strike you as odd? It's, I mean, my jaw was on the floor when I was reading the transcripts because I couldn't believe that a Capitol Police a top commander, she's a captain now, actually admitted that under oath. And the government did not come back and, and say what you said. Well, were those Trump supporters? Were they the militias? Were they Proud Boys? Uh, they just let the entire thing drop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's certain things they don't want answers. But Julie Kelly of American Greatness is going to give them for a short commercial break. I've got Julie Kelly, got uh, Jessica Palamo up in South Dakota, Matthew Tierman on the brutality. The Stalinists are moving in in Brazil. We told you it was going to happen. It's happening now. Short break. Back in the last 30 minutes of the Friday War Room. Next. Starting the new year, how will you prepare yourself, friends, and family? In the news, you're seeing constant government overreach, attacks on our communication and energy grid, worldwide conflicts, natural disasters, and the never-ending assault on our security and privacy. And relying on your cell phone in these scenarios simply won't cut it. That's why over the last year, I've been partnering with Satellite Phone Store to help you stay prepared and assure your vital communications stay brighter. They're one of America's largest satellite companies with thousands of happy, well-prepared customers. For a limited time, Satellite Phone Store has a special promotional offer when you go to sat123.com slash Bannon. That is sat, S-A-T, 123.com slash Bannon. Get a bivy stick or an Imarsat satellite phone included with an annual agreement. 
Remember, that's you get a bivy stick or a Marsat satellite phone included with an annual agreement. Now, Satellite Phone Store's customer support team is located in the United States of America and can help you pick the best plan for you. Go to sat.com right now. That's sat123.com slash Bannon. Sat123.com slash Bannon. And get your device today. Don't put it off. Life can change in an instant. That is sat123.com slash Bannon. Sat123.com slash Bannon. Get it today. Take action, action, action. In Joe Biden's America, criminals are exalted and the police are condemned. Sad to say, but you need to be prepared and properly trained to defend yourself and to defend your family. Thankfully, there's iTarget Pro. This revolutionary system allows you to dry fire practice with your actual firearm anytime in the safety and privacy of your own home. No more inconvenient trips to the range, and with inflation causing the price of ammo to skyrocket, you save a ton of money. Just download iTarget's proprietary app, load the laser bullet into your firearm, and start your training experience. iTarget will help you develop muscle memory, sharpen target reaction speed, sight alignment, trigger function, and more. iTarget Pro comes in all the major calibers, so you can stay sharp with almost any firearm. Go to itargetpro.com right now and save 10% plus. Get free shipping with the offer code Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, all one word. This makes a great gift for Father's Day and is less expensive than a few hours at the range. That's the letter itargetpro.com. That's itargetpro.com, offer code Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N. War Room Battleground with Stephen K. Bannon. Okay. The hunted become the hunters. The hunt, And you see for the other, the flip, you got FDA, you got CDC, you got New England Medical uh, Journal. You've got everybody now just randomly, you know, just randomly in the last couple of days, all this Biden stuff's come out since they've known about it since November and before because it's all lies. They've known about it for a long time. Um, but now it's all coming out. What's going to come out is 14,000 hours. Uh, Julie Kelly, you've been to the tip of the spear on this, right? Uh, Darren B's done a great job, but you've been the tip of the spear of the tough, and he's done the analysis, a lot of analytics, a lot of the deeper things, but you've been every day hammering this for a couple of years. Is uh, Are we going to get this 14,000 hours dumped tomorrow on us? Are they just going to sit there and go, this is amazing. you got Gates in the house, and they got these deals, and they're going, they've agreed to the 14,000 hours. Of course, the house owns it, and Julie Kelly wants to get into it, and the war room wants to be the platform that promotes it. Are they just going to sit there and go, that's a wonderful idea. Why don't we just turn that 14,000 hours over right now? Is that going to happen, ma'am? Um, I think it's going to be a more a laborious process than that. Uh, these, uh, this Trova video, and of the 14,000 hours that was captured, and this is throughout the Capitol complex, DOJ identified about half of that was relevant to their criminal cases for January 6th. But those, as I explained, are under extremely tight protective orders. So I don't know if the Department of Justice or Capitol Police and their attorneys are going to file something to prevent or stop House Republicans from releasing it, but it doesn't matter. The videos do not belong to the Department of Justice at all. They belong to the Capitol Police, which is under 
Congress. They are part of the legislative branch. So really, ultimately, the owners of that video is Congress. So they can release it. And what people like Nicole Wallace and everyone else is afraid of is what those videos actually will show. That's why the Department of Justice and Capitol Police want them under wraps. That's why the media for two years has barely made a peep trying to get this video uh, publicly released on any sort of platform. Um, and so, you know, but I'm telling you, Steve, once the relevant portions of that video, the inside and outside of the Capitol building itself uh, are released, I'm not so sure the American public uh, is prepared to grasp exactly what went down that day, the inside job that was January 6th, uh, and how it was all put together. We will we, we, we will make them. By the way, all the January 6th stuff, the show trials, because if this stuff was excluded, this stuff was bad for the J6 defendants and Trump and the MAGA movement, it, your nose had been rubbed in it every night on Rachel Maddow, okay? Right. So you, we know what this shows. What about the, all the other documentation archives? Can we just get to everything that they had so we now we can turn it over to the new J6 committee? Is that just going to be a easy handover, ma'am? I know you'll be shocked to hear, but what the committee did was the complete opposite of what they promised, which was that all of the transcripts, a thousand witness uh, interviews, the transcripts would be part of the report. All of the evidence, except super secret information, would also be released. Well, guess what? With the exception of about 250 transcribed interviews and some random evidence in the 845-page report, all of the work product of the January 6th committee has been dumped over to the National Archives. I guess this is, you know, that's the new center of scandal. The National Archives, where it will be buried, even though Kevin McCarthy sent a preservation letter to Benny Thompson in early December, said, save all, we want access to everything. They didn't. They shut down the committee. They gave all the records, all the in, most of the interview transcripts to the archives. So if House Republicans want access to that, even defense attorneys want it, uh, interviews that are relevant to their cases, they're going to have to go through this now we know highly politicized national archivist. So what are they trying to hide there? You know what uh, transcript, Steve, that they buried at the archives? Bobby Engel, remember the Secret Service agent, Cassidy Hutchinson, said that Trump tried to strangle on January 6th? They interviewed Bobby Engel. That transcript is now buried at the National Archives, even though they said they would release uh, his full I'm so shocked. Yeah. Was someone's appealing a four-month uh, uh, stint in a federal prison for standing up to this committee that was illegally formed, as we will argue in our appeals, among other things, uh, I want to see them all. I want to see all of it. The American people deserve to see all of it. We're going to rub little Jamie Raskin and Shifty Shift and, and that whole crowd, Luria. Hey, Luria, how's it good sitting on your ass down there in Norfolk now that you got bounced, you got turfed out of Congress? Okay, in Kinziger. Have a big crocodile tear from you, big man. Hey, hey uh, how's it out in Wyoming? Oh, you're not in Wyoming, uh, Cheney. You're up in Northern Virginia. How's it? We turfed all you guys out. And we're going to break more of you, okay? What you've done is outrageous, and we want to see the footage, and we want to see, we want to see the receipts. Show us the receipts. Show the American people the receipts on all of it, and we'll see where you stand. This was a Fed surrection, and we're going to get to the bottom of it, of the deep state. Julie Kelly, your reporting's amazing. How did they get to you at American Greatness, ma'am, and your social media? Thanks so much, Steve.
uh, amgreatness.com, social media, Julie underscore Kelly, too, where I post a lot of these transcripts that have been made available in court proceedings. And Truth Social and Getter, Julie underscore Kelly. And I want to give a shout out to Matthew, who, who I know is coming up, and his reporting has just been superb as well on what's happening uh, down in Brazil. So I want to commend him publicly. It's and just for incredible. Yes. All, all we want to see, we don't want any commentary, no observations, none of it. All we want to see is the raw 14,000 hours of footage, and we want to see everything that was sent to the National Archives. We don't want to see, we don't want to make any comments, no analysis. Just let the American people see all of the records. Let the American people, in their common sense, weigh and measure this. Julie Kelly, honored to have you on here. Thank you, ma'am. Thanks, Steve. Let's go to South Dakota. Jessica, my phone uh, blew up today and everything blew up today because it's emblematic. What's happening in South Dakota is emblematic of what's going on in the country, the precinct strategy. Americans are volunteering to get engaged. And when they get engaged, the existing Republican establishment, and this is what the fight at the RNC chairman's about. And by the way, Dickie Uline and Bernie Marcus, the two most significant donors to the RNC have come out and put letters out to say, this Bernie Marcus, who's the biggest mensch in this country, a great man, and Dick Uline, another great man, they have come out and said, this has to stop. We need grassroots involvement. We need, we got to, this Republican uh, committee cartel is is absurd. It's ridiculous. And they've supported Harmie Dillon's, uh, you know, as, as a candidate to do it. Tell us, we got a couple of minutes here. Walk me through exactly what's going on in South Dakota tomorrow. We're going to cover it live. What's going on in South Dakota tomorrow? Why is it grassroots versus the establishment, ma'am? Uh, well, the grassroots is being suppressed by the establishment, and uh, the state central committee is having their meeting tomorrow in Pier, and they are voting on changing the bylaws. So the bylaws committee um, wrote a proposal to eliminate the precinct committee person's right to vote at convention. And um, I just wanted to point out, I kind of missed this this morning, but Senator David Johnson and Senator David Wheeler and William Beale were on that bylaws committee um, and, and want to get rid of the precinct committee people. And um, the Senate Bill 40 uh, that was dropped too was dropped by Senator David Johnson. And, and that Senate bill, if they can't get this passed tomorrow with a two-thirds vote in the state central committee, they're going to legislate it into law that they're going to put the lieutenant governor, the attorney general, and the secretary of state on the primary ballot. So that the grassroots, you know, just won't have a voice in that ever again. Well, walk me through. Do, do you guys does the grassroots have a problem with uh, with with primaries, or, or what, what is it? What, why do you? Why does it have to be in a convention? I understand in the previous ones you had, we actually got MAGA grassroots candidates, and the problem with the establishment out there is they seem to be everywhere in a super MAGA state of the citizens and 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 the war room posse. And the great precinct strategy of of Dan Schultz and Steve Cernan and everybody, uh, it's it couldn't be more MAGA. But your entire elected officials all seem to be establishment. How does that work, ma'am? Well, I think we have two problems. I think we have election issues um, that our group has uncovered with South Dakota canvassing, and and we too have an uneducated. Uh, you know, voter pool, and so um, you don't get elected as a Democrat in South Dakota. So you. Um, you have to be a Republican. So we have Democrats, you know, changing their party to Republican. Um, in fact, the state chairman, Dan Lederman, was a registered Democrat in Iowa. He came over to South Dakota 
said he was a Republican, and now somehow he's in charge of our party. And, and they're taking everything way to the left. So people, you need to pay attention to, you know, they can say whatever they want, but I keep saying actions speak louder than words. Um, Citizens for Liberty puts out a really great voter scorecard and check how these people are voting. I would guarantee you, you will be shocked at how some of these people vote. So we have, um, you know, supposedly conservative Republicans voting with the constitution 30% or less um, of the time. So it, that's worse than a Democrat vote. So we need to pay attention to these people. And two, I believe we have a lot of uh, problems with our elections in South Dakota, our residency problems, and people um, changing their party registration to vote in the primary and then flipping it back. So there's a whole lot of things that go into the problems that we have today. Okay, tell us, tell people we got about two minutes here. What's going to happen tomorrow? We're going to pick. I think you start at ten. We're going to try to pick you up. We're, we're live at ten East Coast. There's, we're going to try to get you guys before this. What exactly okay. is happening tomorrow, and what can this audience do to assist you guys? So tomorrow is a state central committee meeting. They're going to vote on the proposed bylaw changes to get rid of the precinct committee people's right to vote at the convention. So what everyone needs to do is call the party leadership in your county, your, your chair, your vice chair, your committee man and committee woman, and tell them that you don't want them to support this. They need a two thirds vote to pass it. So it's not a simple majority. Uh, so we, we really want pressure, public pressure. Um, you know, it would be a, a disgrace to everything that the grassroots has done. Um, so we call your party leadership. And then if you're in South Dakota, show up tomorrow. We'll be there. Is there a number? How do people get to you as a contact point? Where, where do they go or who is the contact point? Where do people contact tonight about where to go and, and what to do? Um, you know, we don't have a page out there. It's kind of um, kind of individual chats, but we have quite the network. So if you want to contact me, go to South Dakota Canvassing. So sdcanvassing.com, C-A-N-V-A-S-S-I-N-G.com. Uh, send us an email. I'll see it. And if you want to show up, we'll get you where you need to go. Jessica, thank you so much. We'll, my producers will talk to you tonight. and We'll figure out how to do this tomorrow. So thank you very much, ma'am. Good. Thank you. The grassroots fight throughout the country. The reason South Dakota is so important, it's everywhere. It's in Arizona, you know, Nebraska, overthrew them in Georgia and South Carolina. Listen, the money, the, the real estate and the money interest always come together, always come together to block the grassroots. What they want is your vote. They want your small dollar donations. They want you to ring some doorbells every so often. Then they want you to sit down and shut up. Okay. They don't want to hear any back talk, is what my mother would say. My beloved mother. Um, I want to go to Tierman. Tierman, uh, you called this uh, for months and months and months that that Lula was not just a transnational criminal, but the people around him in the judiciary. This is this is, and I know you're of Polish descent, uh, so it affects you viscerally. This is this is uh, Joseph Stalin. This is the way the Stalinists ran. I mean, these guys are smash mouth, hardball, sir. What is going on? Yeah, no good news. Uh, sometimes you hate being right. And this is one of those situations you and I were talking about Brazil for months. The most important electoral battle of 2022 against global communism. And it looks like global communism just picked up a big one and they are not wasting any time as they do not. 
to consolidate it and clamp down and really turn Brazil into Venezuela. You know, as I said on one on one segment, they've gone from zero to Stalin in no time. It is even with my cynicism and, you know, you know how cynical I am. I am shocked. Uh, we talked about what happened on Sunday the 8th, uh, a, a template uh, learned from January 6th, uh, you know, coax them in. And then, you know, show uh, that your agent provocateurs are destroying everything and then arrest all the patriots and send a message to the rest of the country. And that is what they're doing. They created a gulag we talked about earlier this week. Well, the gulag that they created in the federal police uh, district training facility where they rounded up 1,700 people, old women, old men, young kids, male, female, uh, every race, every color of the Brazilian uh, racial ethnographic spectrum, Brazilian patriots through and through. We have video of them now that the fog of war is, uh, is over because the Brazilians are so good with social media and using the technology at their fingertips. We have video of them getting into arguments with the agent provocateurs. Don't ruin this. Don't break this. Don't break this window. This is our house. They were trying to show peacefully, as they had done 72 days previous, because these are peaceful, prayerful, patriotic warriors. They were trying to show a show of strength that they have a cross-section of society. And what did they do? They got cornered. They got gulagged. We had uh, at least one woman die from dehydration. Uh, the, you know, unconfirmed, but some of the patriots on the ground say four to five people have died in this process. They had then taken some of the older people, some of the kids, and they have released them, but not before a full Stalinist denunciation of themselves and their own activity. Sign on the dotted line. What am I signing? It says, I am a terrorist. I went to war against the democratic institutions of my country. And they released people pending that no legal counsel. The men and younger and more able-bodied females have gone into a federal penitentiary. No charges, no due process, no investigation, no trial. And they are now in jail. And uh, Gateway Pundit had a, uh, a great uh, letter, open letter from a source on the ground describing the conditions. Absolutely inhumane. They have not spoken to lawyers. So we're seeing, you know, a January 6th framework. Uh, and now they're, you know, we were talking about this offline. What did the Soviets call everybody who stood in the way of their ideological capture of society? Subversives. They're calling them, the Brazilian left, the judiciary is calling them terrorists, which gives that even more, uh, you know, of big leaf veil of, oh, no, we're protecting democracy from the terrorists who are patriots. And to see them trapped like sardines in these small facilities, uh, wrapped, literally cloaked in the Brazilian flag to keep warm at night, kids lying on the Brazilian flag as a mat. I mean, talk about a, a powerful poetic optic and symbol. Uh, but the judiciary is clamping down. They have gone absolutely hog wild on the censorship. Journalists kicked off. They kicked off Jovenpon News. It cannot broadcast. That's Brazil's equivalent of Fox News. Our friend Paulo Figueiredo has been deplatformed. All of the right-wing journalists have been deplatformed. The extradition notices are being drawn up for the journalists and pastors and activists who are here in the U.S. who have residents who are, uh, who if they're not citizens, but they're just, uh, they're residents, uh, they're going to be attempted to be extradited. Several they're putting out red notices for. They're reiterating the call for Alan Dos Santos and some of the really leading journalists. Alan Dos Santos has been pursued by them now for years, and he's been in the U.S., and they're going to try and extradite him. Bolsonaro, it just showed, they uh, they said today, Wall Street Journal picked it up, that they are now pinning it on him by sowing distrust in the election system by for instance, pushing for paper and auditable ballots. How novel, something you can audit. Uh, he has stimulated and catalyzed this. So now they're going to try and force him back to Brazil, as you and I talked about. We predicted it, right? Everybody did not prevail. Everybody was going to jail.
This is they used a Hitler Reichstag fire. This is what Hitler did in the 30s to cement power because moments after the arson from the Reichstag, he took much greater power. Well, this is coming out of the judiciary. And I'll, I'll make a point right here. Lula is a, a queen of England. He is a figurehead. Lula is not the dictator of Brazil. It is Marias. It is the guy who's been cementing power, who appointed himself from chief justice of the Supreme Court to chief justice of the Electoral Court to oversee and administer the elections, who used that court to say to anybody that was suggesting that the election might have some anomalies or not be totally above board, that he would then use that as an arrest uh, warrant uh, the pretext to, to silence them and shut them up, to put them in ankle bracelets. Well, ankle bracelets are going to look downright uh, luxurious compared to what's coming. They are going full gulag. They're putting them in jail, and it is absolutely gross. Even Glenn Re Greenwald, who helped build this, by the way, he was the one cheerleading from the from the Western uh, English language press that Bolsonaro is horrible, blah, 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 and, and cheerleading uh, the you know, the fight back for Lula and the globalists. And now he's giving a press conference on Rumble at uh, seven o'clock to say that the censorship has gone too far because now they're trying to censor him. So you know what? It's the Niemöller poem playing out in front of us. First, they came for the socialists. Then they came for the trade unions. Then they came for the Jews. And then they came for me. And they are clamping down. And Marias, he should be in the Hague. And I don't know when he's going to get there, but it's not soon enough because people are dying. They're dying in that uh, makeshift gulag. They're dying in the prisons. Oh, and the most important thing you and I talked about this morning, force vaxxed everybody they put into this federal penitentiary. If this is not a violation of the Geneva Convention, the Geneva Convention is worthless. Where is Human Rights Watch? Where is Amnesty International? Where is the United Nations Charter for Indigenous Rights, given that chief of the Givenchy tribe, uh, Cesare, is still in prison because he is a brave soul with faith and he is not signing the denunciation letter that they've been torturing him to try and get him to sign. This is the worst communist takeover ever. People forget Chavez was elected, not stolen. He was freely elected. Maybe there, it wasn't until later he created those machines and held the referendum in 02 to cement power and dissolve yeah. all the separated <laughs> This is one week. I just, uh, James, James, yeah, Jane, Jane, Jane Zirkle up on Jane Zirkle up on Worm has got an a, a, a article about the vaccinations. This force vaxxed of the prisoners of the people they put in the concentration camps is a massive human rights violation. They're going to be hold. I promise you, we're going to make sure they're held accountable. Matthew, we got to bounce. Social media. Are you going to be live streaming the Greenwald thing at seven o'clock? I'm going to just watch it and see what I have to say and, and let it uh, digest okay. it before I uh, think we'll judgment. Get, maybe. Okay. Maybe I, want everybody go, I want everybody to go up on my, I want everybody to go up on our getter site. We're going to put up what's your, what's your, what's your uh, what is your, uh, what is your social media? At Matthew Termond, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-T-Y-R-M-A-N-D. I am trying to, as best as I can, be a voice for these people, as I know you are, as Tucker has been, as Emerald has been, Dave Rubin, just we did a very long podcast yeah. delving into it air Monday. We're doing what we can, but it is really bad, and we'll talk tomorrow or Monday about the China implications, because Maduro Careful. is very happy. No, right we'll have... We'll have you on. Juan Shishan's been down there. We'll have you on tomorrow morning, 10 o'clock. We're going to be back here live at 10 a.m. tomorrow morning, Eastern Standard Time. We're going to be in South Dakota and in Brazil. See you then.